الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد الرجاء ما قارنه عمل وإلا فهو أمنية الرجاء ما قارنه عمل وإلا فهو أمنية hope goes hand in hand with deeds otherwise it is just a wish hope goes hand in hand with deeds otherwise it is a wish our life as every manual will tell you whether it's you've just entered university or school you'll be told by the teachers the instructors that you have to work hard to get somewhere this is generally the pep talk that's given in these situations companies will speak to their employers about hard work vision trying to direct oneself to a goal achieving those goals and objectives of the company they'll make those very very clear any employee that's not fulfilling that objective that's not fulfilling the hard work not full not in the right direction then generally those kind of employees will be dismissed somebody that is fulfilling the hard work the mission of the company uh, the objective they're working hard towards it you can see that they've got that direction in mind clearly and likewise some student at university or school or college they're working towards that direction then they'll get something out of it this is the same thing in in this world you can be sitting around this I, i've personally seen this with experience you want to buy a car and you just have the wish in your mind that this is the particular type of car that i want and you can sit back and just wish and keep seeing them but you don't go out to look you're not going to get something unless it's a miracle that something's going to plop right in front of you and say that here there's a car for you which is exactly according to how you want this is how much it is and you know you buy it. that that does happen sometimes but generally doesn't you have to put the hard work in go to the websites auto trader gumtree wherever else you know people look go around and then go and check a few out that look good they may not be what you want you may waste your time you think but it's all part of the learning process it's all part of gaining the ultimate goal it's all part of the labor that needs to be put in so with all of these things in the world the la- the, the the whole dunya and the akhirah is all based on labor yes you do gain certain things without putting too much laboring it's a matter of tawfiq sometimes but the majority overwhelming majority of situations you have to put the hard work in whether it's dunya or otherwise that means if you have a hope for something hope is a bit stronger than wish wish just the word itself seems to be a term that refers to this kind of idea and desire in the back of your mind which you hope to fulfill one day if it comes about but you just the word itself it's something i wish for i mean just when you say that it's something i wish for indicates itself that it's something you don't expect to get very soon or you're not putting your effort behind it uh, somebody says i wish i had a ha- house in knightsbridge kensington wherever you know makkah mukarrama madina munawwara i wish i had just the way i'm saying it you can tell that it's not something i'm working towards 
It's just a nice idea. It's a hope. It's, a, it's just a nice idea. But if I say, I've got all hope, I'm going to, get a, uh, I'm, I'm going to be getting a house in Makkah Mukarramah, or Medina Munawar, I'm going to be moving there. I'm, I'm hoping to do that. Now, how does that sound compared to, I wish I could be there? You can tell straight away, just the word that I'm using, there's something here that I hope to get there, which means that I'm trying something. I've got it in mind. It's an objective, a real objective, not just a desire, not just a wish. There's a big difference between the two. Now, I wish I could get a good degree. Well, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to get a good degree. There's a difference in, in what you say. Because with the hope, you, you, when somebody, when I just said that, you're expecting that I'm working towards it. I'm putting some labor behind it. It's not just the desire that I think I'm just going to get there. Somebody's going to give me an honorary degree. They do give honorary PhD sometimes, don't they? Right, for somebody who's accomplished something. But that's even come from action unless you've paid them. Or, you know, some of these wealthy, uh, wealthy princes get honorary degrees because, you know, they're able to spend their money. That's a different issue. With Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you have to please Him. So now, when we've discovered the difference between just mere wish and serious hope, then we have to understand where the deen falls into this. Is the deen something that we should just wish for? Is Jannatul Firdaus just something we should wish for? Or is it something we must put our entire hopes in that is adjoined by labor, intense work, action? Deeds. The Prophet ﷺ was guaranteed. But still, last 10 days of Ramadan, he would try even more to get that higher status. So that's who we're learning from. When it comes to our deen, things appear to be a wish. You ask any Muslim, do you want to go to Jannatul Firdaus? Of course. It's a wish, is there? At that status, it's there. But is it a serious hope? That's what is in Arabic it's called Raja. Raja is the opposite of fear. Raja is when you have a hope for something. You know, just like you just compare it to fear in the opposing way. What does fear mean? Fear doesn't mean fear means there's something. You fear something. Now on the positive sense of it, you hope something. Fear is not just the opposite of wish. Wish is too, too light for that. Fear is serious. You fear something. So likewise, you hope for something as much as you fear something. Just compose, uh, just contradict the two in that sense and you'll see. Just compare the two in that sense and you'll see. So that's why he says, الرَّجَاءُ مَا قَارَنَهُ عَمَلُ وَإِلَّا فَهُوَ أُمْنِيَةُ That raja proper hope goes hand in hand with deeds so it has to be joined with the labor and the hard work otherwise it is just a wish it's just a wish and that's why I've explained before as well that our situation when it comes to Jannatul Firdaus Jannah in general is just like that person who's in another country who just wishes to come to England or to America wherever they want to go to I just want to get to England that's it they're not thinking about where in England because the big hurdle is just I want to get to England. But the successful one will be the one who knows, who's done his research and who's working towards making sure when he gets here, he gets 
to a particular place that he wants. So we have to be more discriminating and you have to put the hard work based on that. The way the ulama have, uh, some ulama have described this concept of raja, which means hope, is the heart becoming associated with an objective that could be acquired in the future. So it's an acquirable objective. It's something that can be acquired, can't be just something that cannot be acquired, right? That's purely a wish that. But this is for the heart to become connected, associated, right? With a, an objective that is possible to acquire in the past, in the future, while at the same time working towards it. So that second condition is extremely important while working towards it, while putting the labor behind it. So it's a desire that is that has action with it so that a person can gain what he desires. It's as simple as that. that that's what is required. Whereas on the other hand, a wish, the umniya, in Arabic umniya, is just a desire, just a wish, a desire that you'll get a palace, you'll get a you know, a big building, you'll get um, the Hur of Jannah. You know, all of these ideas, when you hear about them, I'll, I wish I'll get that as well. And you've got a thread of connection only. The thread of connection is, you hear the hadith, whoever says, La ilaha illallah will enter paradise. So that's your only thread that you've got connecting it. Subhanallah. The only thread that's connecting it is, I know that I'm saying La ilaha illallah, so I'm going to get to Jannah one day. Now, we don't want to see the hurdles in the path. We're not even focused on the hurdles in the path. We know we're going to get Jannah one day. That's it. So now, what's the point of that? Because if, if all our connection with Jannah is with a thread, then that thread could easily be broken. Because there are so many perils on the way. So many perils on the way. So many dangers on the way. Because if that's all we're connected with, that means there must be sins in our life. No, not much worship in our life not even a focus so then we expect that we could even lose that thread billah. and then having to go through all of the punishment in the hellfire then that's another difficulty so one has to get serious with this anybody who wants those palaces in Jannah the Hur in Jannah the bounties of Jannah, the great things in paradise and the closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to have to roll their sleeves up. And they're going to have to work hard. That's why Ibn Nujaym, in one of the beginning of his book called Al-Ashbah wa al he has this statement which I really love a lot. He says, هذا العلم لا يأتي بالتمني ولا بالترجي ولا بليت ولا علّة This knowledge is not going to come just by Tamanni and Taraji, just by hoping and desiring and wishing. You sit back, I'm gonna know this. I'm gonna become an Usuli scholar, person who understands legal theory. All of these are words in Arabic for wish and desire. Tamanni Taraji Laita La'alla Laitani Fa'altu Dalik. You know, La'alla, you know, La'alla is another one. All of this is just about hope. But anybody who seriously wants this is going to have to roll up his sleeves and put the elbow grease in. That's what he says. Ma'ruf al-Karhi, he has a beautiful statement. I really love this statement. Ma'ruf al-Karhi was one of those great individuals of the past from the early period. Ma'ruf al-Karhi, 
Ibrahim ibn Adham, Junaid al-Baghdadi, these are those accepted early um, uh, ascetics, Sufi scholars of the early the early period. They've, they've just gone down. They will, you'll find them in every Sufi book, in every Sufi discourse and literature because they were, you can say, the people who really put an effort behind this. So Ma'roof al-Karhi radiallahu anhu says that Talabul Jannati bila amal Talabul Jannati bila amalin dhambum min al-dhunub To desire Jannah To seek Jannah without any action is a sin from among the sins It's a violation, it's a sin I mean what kind of vain hopes do you have? Wartija'u al-Shafa'ah Wartija'u This is another one Wartija'u al-Shafa'ati bila sababin naw'um min al-ghurur and to hope for the intercession of Rasulullah without having any cause for it, without gaining some kind of excuse for it, like following the Sunnah or something, Salawat on the Prophet on Fridays or whatever it is that we're using to gain that intercession, without that kind of sabab, then that is no min al ghurur, which means it is a source of deception. It's a source of deception. Because a person is deceived, they think they're going to gain the intercession. They pray for it in their du'as, but they don't do anything for it. And he says, and then to hope and desire for the mercy of the one who you are not obeying. To hope for mercy to come from the one you're not obeying is pure ignorance and stupidity. Like how can you expect Allah to give you something when you don't obey Him? Give Him an excuse to give you rahmah and mercy. And Allah is there open to give mercy. Anybody who thinks that hope is valid while being persistent on a sin or a bad deed and they still have hope, then he should also have full yaqeen and conviction that he will make a big profit while having no capital in the beginning. The person who thinks they can gain a profit without having the seed capital to start with, I'm going to make a profit and you've got nothing to start with. Right? <coughs> if that's just a desire and then you're going to go and get something to start with, that's different. But a person who has nothing and expects to make big profits is... Anybody who has yaqeen in that, then he is allowed to have yaqeen in the fact that he can continue his sins and he can still gain hope from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to do something. But don't get this wrong. One is that you've, we've committed many, many sins and we still have hope that Allah will forgive us. That's a possibility. But to have hope that Allah will forgive us and continue to commit sins. Ma'al israr. That's the same as that person who has nothing but expects to make a big profit. Believes he can make a profit. It is also like the person who thinks that he can make fire out of water. Who thinks it's correct and valid and possible to make fire out of water. Whoever's hope, whoever's desire is to really, and this is on an education understanding, whoever, whoever really desires to really understand his science that he's pursuing, the knowledge that he's pursuing and that he wants the treasures of comprehension and understanding of that to be opened up for him so he understands every 
facet of that science he's studying, whether it be a business studies or whether it be the ulumul hadith or whatever it may be, this is a generic idea of pursuing something, then it is necessary for him to sit down and study, consult, read, move pages, and go and sit with those who know the experts. Go and sit with the experts, rub shoulders with them, those who really know who are the critical scholars of the subject. While at the same time, one has to have the taqwa. One has to embellish themselves with the taqwa and the good deeds. Then they'll be able to gain the understanding. This is speaking about the ulum al-akhirah, uh, the, the, the sacred sciences. Allah says in the Quran, وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهِ وَيُعَلِّمُكُمُ اللَّهِ وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهِ وَيُعَلِّمُكُمُ اللَّهِ وَاللَّهُ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ عَلِيمٍ Fear Allah and He will teach you. He will become your teacher. Fear Allah, He will teach you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is well aware of everything. And subhanallah, I've seen people um, who are in the path. They're not alims, but they've tried hard. And they will be able to come up with... They haven't done any formal studies in terms of ilm. They haven't done an alim course of any sort. They may not even have ijazah in hadith and tafsir and the sciences. But they know enough to take people to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, is he better off? Who's particular? He's cautious, has taqwa and taking hundreds of people to Jannah, is that person better or somebody who studied for 10 years, studying the sciences, half of the Qur'an, but can't even help himself with it? Can't even help himself with it. Which one is better? So he said, وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهِ وَيُعَلِّمُكُمُ اللَّهِ Fear Allah and He will teach you. He will give you the knowledge. Which means if somebody is also in the path of knowledge, trying to study something, has taqwa as well, then imagine what he's going to get. He's going to get what he's going to get from his hard work and also going to get extra what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to give him. Special from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Anybody who then does this, who, who, who fulfills this objective, then he is a true seeker. And what he hopes, he will reach. He will reach his hopes. Otherwise, it is totally invalid and this person is a absolute ignorant individual when it comes to this. Some of the muhaqqiqeen, muhaqqiqeen means the people who've really understood the science and who have the ability to make critical statements about it. They say that, and this is obviously from experiences, and this is absolutely true. I know when I'm producing a book or I'm doing a study on something, sometimes I'm in a hurry. I just want to get the book done. But something, this is the problem with knowledge. This is one of the things. You're doing something and you want to publish the book. You've been doing it for many, many years. You want to now get it out. And suddenly, you keep opening up new ideas. They need to be explored. Do you understand? This is, uh, especially a PhD will give you this kind of problem. Um, it's a good problem, but it's a problem in the sense. You know, different ideas, popping questions appear in your mind. What about this idea? What about exploring this trend, this 
caveat, this issue, you know, and that all requires moving lots and lots of pages to, to, to understand. If you just do it superficially, you will miss something. You'll open yourself to criticism. That's why you have to be thorough in all your research on even that one point, and it could take days sometimes just to get to something. Imam Suyuti wrote something very interesting. Imam Suyuti passed away in 911 Hijri, which means 89 years before the first Islamic millennium. Around um, 898, just before 890, 12 years before the end of the millennium, the discussion in his time was of the end of the world happening. There were expectations for an ap uh, apocalypse, right? That the world is going to end at the end of the Islamic millennium based on certain narrations that were fabricated, extremely weak or fabricated. So there were scholars at the time discussing this or maybe have mentioned it somehow and then people were, you know, like we had the millennium problem here. Right? So there was a hype about it. So he wrote a response to this, which he called uncovering the, the reality or um, uncovering the proofs that this ummah will pass the millennium, the Islamic millennium is talking about. And he gives certain reasons. Now remember, there's only a hundred, at the time he wrote it, there was only 102 years left for the millennium to end. So he quotes numerous hadiths and he mentions that based on these narrations which tell us that uh, Dajjal, uh, first uh, Isa a.s. has to come, then Dajjal has to come, and he will kill Dajjal, and then Isa a.s. will stay for 40 years. And then after that he says that then there's going to be this period, as mentioned in the hadith, between the rising of the sun from the west... And then there's going to have to be this many years before this happens and this happens. And he said, because the Dajjal and Isa, so basically he counts that there has to be a period of 200 years. There has to be a period of 200 years from when the signs begin, right? Minimum for the Day of Judgment to occur. So now he's proving that to show that because the Dajjal has not yet appeared, nor has Isa salam appeared, you know, people like to call America and others Dajjal. Well, Isa Islam hasn't appeared yet, for sure, right? So, that means we still got 200 years to live, even if that happens tomorrow. So, there's no way he's saying that the Islamic millennium will end the world. So, he was just trying to dispel the notion that the Islamic millennium is going to end the world. Do you understand? By using the calculation. But then he says something very interesting based on some other narrations. And again, these are weak narrations as well. Not as weak as the first ones, but they're still weak. He said, but it will end before the 1500s. Before 1500. 1500, one and a half millennium. And he bases that on the idea that there, the, the, the world's age is going to be 7,000 uh, 7, years. There's some narrations to that effect. Not entirely Sahih narrations, but they indicate that this world is basically of seven days and each day according to Allah is Al-Fusana, 1,000 years. Which means 
this world is only going to remain for 7,000 years. And then there's the narrations which indicate that the Prophet ﷺ came at the end of the sixth millennium. Which means there's one millennium left. Just over one millennium left. So he is calculated based on that, that it's not going to happen at the first millennium, but it is going to happen by the 1500. Now today we're 1436. So now if I calculate, if we calculate what he calculated at his time when there was 102 years left, we have how many years left? If we're in uh, 1436, how many years do we have left to 1500? 64. We've got less than his time and no Dajjal has yet appeared. Or at least no Isa Islam has appeared, no Mahdi has appeared yet. And even if he does appear tomorrow, according to his calculation, it should be 200 years. Alright? So, what he cleared there for the first millennium, but predicted for the 1.5 millennium, it doesn't appear to happen now as well. What this goes to show is that all of these predictions are mere predictions. All of these predictions are just mere predictions. Allah has literally kept this idea to Himself. Yes, once the Jal comes, that's supposed to be a major sign. Then you need to calculate because that is the ending has begun. The end proceedings have begun. That's the major sign. That's why it's there. Minor signs are there to keep us on our feet. Major sign is there. So what I'm trying to say from this is that for us to for me to figure this out i didn't have much time but i i've heard of this booklet of his for many many years never had a chance to go and read it it's just about finding time to read something you know that's not directly in part with your study that you're doing at the time so then i searched for it i found some manuscript one wasn't very clear I found another one alhamdulillah was very clear i sat and read it i said okay what is all of this about and this is basically the conclusion of it so you have to put effort when you want something. And we do, the, do this for the dunya. When we want to buy something, we'll spend literally hours, sometimes days, reading reviews, looking for comparative products. Maybe, you know, before at least, you would definitely go and, uh, to the different stores and look for it. Now you do the research a lot online. Sometimes it takes days, sometimes it takes weeks to decide on something. You want to buy a ticket? for a holiday or to go somewhere, you literally sit and check a few different sites. You want to buy insurance, you will have to go on comparison websites. That one website will give you a comparison of a hundred companies, but we still check four different comparison websites, just in case. So we put a lot of effort behind all of these things. When it comes to our deen, we just expect that it's going to come along. Just like uh, you know, the insurance we have to buy for our car, it's just going to come along. Only to be told tomorrow, you know, you just pick up anything. I mean, if you just pick up anything, any insurance, tomorrow somebody's going to tell you, man, you paid too much. Did you check this comparison website? We bought a product and you bought it for this much. Did you check you could get it cheaper here and you think, oh no, why didn't I do that? That's our deal with Jannah. That's the deal with Jannah. That's why some of the muhaqqiqeen, they say that whoever gives his full self to the knowledge, he will take its full benefits whoever does not give a bit sorry whoever does not give his fullest to anything they're pursuing they won't even get a bit of it they won't get the full but they won't get a bit of it
a narration says that ilm comes with ta'allum, with study. Hilm, forbearance, clemency, comes with trying to act forbearance, which is a really hopeful thing. If a person does not think they have a lot of forbearance, then they should try to act forgiving and forbearing, and it will then become a second nature for them. That's very important, that understanding there. Anybody who seeks goodness, it will be given to him. Anybody who seek, anybody who tries to avoid evil, he will be protected from it. But the point is, who tries to avoid evil. Not somebody who just wants to avoid evil, but doesn't try to avoid it. Anybody then who wants to gain the high stations of Jannah, anybody who wants to understand how to be close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and who wants to ascend to these special stations of wilaya and the door of wilaya is open to it, to all then they need to go and sit with those who have the sir and the hal people who have the secret of this path people who have gained this path people who've trodden this path people who are on the path to sit with them with the heads bowed sacrificing oneself and doing what it requires to gain this. If a person reckons that he can't find anything like that, then he should still have a firm desire to find something like that. And constantly ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because constantly asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with real desire is an act in itself. And Allah will open it up. It's not just a wish. You're seriously, it's not a dua that you're just doing just like that as a rote dua. You're really asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because he says that the secret of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, he says, فَسِرُّ اللَّهِ كُلُّهُ فِي صِدْقِ الطَّلَبِ The secret of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in a true, a true object, uh, um, uh, in, in truly pursuing something. When you have a true pursuit of something, that is the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives in anything. When you truly pursue something, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give it. That's the nature of, that's the law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the earth. And a person should then spend his time in the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He should try to avoid unnecessary talk and futile activities. And he should constantly have a good hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he should constantly have a good opinion about the people of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is something very important nowadays. People who are known and recognized as, as being Waliyu Allah or you know, great scholars of the deen and so on, people who are connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should always give them the benefit of the doubt. Unfortunately, today the atmosphere is of crit- criticizing different ulama. Right? We should give them the hope uh, because if a person is connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then we need to give them the benefit of the doubt. Something is glaring, is a different issue. But all these rumors that go about and just critic criticisms of small, small things, just because maybe, you know, even if it's an alim of another group, somebody that you don't necessarily follow, still avoid it as much as possible. Because that is respect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We're not telling us to become naive. We're not saying that. We're just saying that if there's no reason, I mean, if there's no harm in the naivety here, then, then that, that's the way it should be. Protect ourselves. Because we're trying to show Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we have respect for you and your knowledge and the people of your knowledge. So now, 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, إِنْ يَعْلَمِ اللَّهُ فِي قُلُوبِكُمْ خَيْرًا إِنْ يَعْلَمِ اللَّهُ فِي قُلُوبِكُمْ خَيْرًا يُؤْتِكُمْ خَيْرًا مِّنْهُ يُؤْتِكُمْ خَيْرًا مِّمَّا أُخِذَ مِنْكُمْ This is a wonderful verse. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that what is in your heart is good, you have good in your heart, then He will give you good better than what has been taken from you. So this verse actually underscores having good hopes and good desires even in the worst of situations because if Allah sees the goodness in your heart, then He will give you better. Now, when it comes to the path that we are speaking about, closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and wilaya, a person has to have sahih talab, um, a true pursuit about it. But there are also three conditions that have to be met for a person to get this. And this is very important for us. Number one, whatever we learn, we try to act on it as much as possible. It's impossible to do it 100%, but whatever we learn, bit we learn, we have to act on it as much as possible. Just try our best. Number two, to try to connect ourselves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as much persistence as we have in that. To want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that, that is talking about not just when we're in a majlis, but in our daily needs, we need to just try to connect to him as much. This is what we call the wukuf qalbi. Right? This is the whole idea of this wukuf qalbi. Just to try to resort to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as much as possible, how much we can. The greater the himma a person has for this, the greater their achievement in this regard. And number three, anything we do, we have to see whether it goes back to the sunnah or not. Because this path is fraught with bid'at. The biggest stumbling block of a serious seeker, a serious seeker, right? This is the challenge of this path. This will be the bid'at. Because bid'at is the stumbling block of this path. So to keep everything associated with the sunnah. Keep everything associated with the sunnah in this regard. That's how the openings will come. A person will avoid slipping and mistakes and the wrong ideas. That's why Junaid al-Baghdadi rahimahullah, he said something very... Now this is one of the biggest names in tasawuf. Accepted by all, even detractors of today's tasawuf. They will accept Junaid al-Baghdadi because he was an ascetic, right? Before Sufi, Sufism was formalized in the form it is today. So these are just pure ascetics from the early period. He said, "Ma So the concept of tasawuf was there already, right? The concept of it, just to purify the heart. He says, "Ma tasawufa or however he said it. What he said is, we did not take the sawuf just from hearsay. Somebody said this, somebody said that, so we followed that path. That's not how we took it. Basically, we did not take the sawuf just on theory, just on what people were saying. We just did not revel in the stories of the pious. You know, in some, you have this attitude of just talking about the karamat of the awliya. You don't try anything yourself, but you just revel at the stories of the karamat of the awliya. Do you understand? There's no personal effort in there. It's just that I'm associated to these ulama, that's enough for me. I go about doing whatever wrong I'm doing. 
He says, no, that's not what I did. I did not take it through argumentation and quarreling. We took it through staying hungry, fasting. We took it through staying awake at night and doing our tahajjud, night vigils. And holding fast to our actions and deeds. That's how we took it. And the Prophet said, Anybody who acts according to what they know, any knowledge that they've gained and they act upon it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give them as a legacy that knowledge which they did not know. So the road to get higher knowledge, serious knowledge, is by acting upon the bit that we know and Allah will teach us that which we did not know as well. Abu Sulaiman al-Darani, he says, if nufus, if the souls become accustomed to abandoning sins, then it will start to wander around in the high realms. And it will come back, the nufus will come back to its beholder with various different types of knowledges and understanding and sciences. Sometimes they will say things which no alim has said. And this is what you'll find in the books of the awliya. Like, which hadith did I get that from? Where did I get the understanding? It's not about halal and haram. It's just about an understanding of, uh, of the connection between a person and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and some great understanding. Anybody who tries and desires and wants all of these things as a mere wish without taking any of the asbab and the means to gain it, then that is pure stupidity and, and pure ignorance and deception. Hassan radiallahu anhu used to say, Ya ibadallah, O servants of Allah, ittaqu hadhihi al-amani. Avoid these just mere wishes. Because, فَإِنَّهَا أَوْدِيَةُ النَّوْكَ يَحُلُّونَ فِيهَا They're just the valleys of, a nauka is an uh, interesting Arabic word, it's not a, it's an unusual term. Nauka is uh, um, the plural of anwak. Anwak means the, the foolish man. Ahmaq, stupid person, foolish person. So if you think you can get something with just a wish, then you're just putting yourself into the valley of the stupid people. They're wandering around that valley looking for something. They're not getting anything because they don't have a serious desire to get it. SubhanAllah, they, he had to say it like that. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us a, a, a true understanding uh, of this and make our talab sahih. Make our effort sahih. And that's the, that's the most important thing. So finally, Sheikh Abdullah Gangohi says in his commentary to this, the hope that is genuine is the hope that the Sadiq entertains when practicing righteousness. Along with this practice of virtue, he hopes for the mercy of Allah Most High. The farmer that has hope of reaping the fruits of his labors on his farm will expend full effort in plowing and caring for his field. So I'm going to just expect crops there without doing anything, sitting in his farmhouse. Similarly, the Sadiq who has hope of acquiring Allah's mercy will diligently involve himself in practicing virtuous deeds. His hope can then be said to be justified and true. If one acts in conflict with the sacred law and refrains from righteous actions, his hope for divine mercy and paradise will be vain and false. It is false to describe such wishful thinking as raja. Such a person is like one who does not plow his land but expects to reap a, a crop. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not make us 
of those people. Allahumma anta salam anka salam tabarakatiyatul jalali wa likram Allahumma ya hayyu ya qayyum ya rahmatika nastaghith Allahumma ya hannani ya manna la ilaha illa anta subhanaka inna kunna minal zalimin Jazallahu anna muhammadan ma huwa ahlu Allahumma salli wa sallim ala sayyidina muhammad wa ala ahli sayyidina muhammad wa barik wa sallim Allahumma khfir lana, Allahumma khfir lana, Allahumma khfir lana, warhamna Allahumma khfir lana, warhamna, Allahumma khfir lana, warhamna, warafina, wahdina, warzuqna Subhanallah al-Ani al-Ani al-Wahab Oh Allah, oh Allah, accept our duas Oh Allah, accept our efforts Oh Allah, oh Allah, don't make our desire for the akhirah The desire to close, uh, for closeness to you The desire for Jannah Oh Allah, make that not just a wish for us Oh Allah, make that a serious hope that we work towards That we put all our effort behind Oh Allah, keep us on this path Keep us on this path Oh Allah, we fail so much, we get sidetracked so much. Oh Allah, we find other things to be more attractive for us. Oh Allah, make your love have the highest place in our hearts and our minds so that we want to do it. Oh Allah, oh Allah, allow us to have our priorities in the right way. Oh Allah, oh Allah, grant us the correct priorities. Oh Allah, help us and assist us in gaining closeness to you. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, we ask that you accept our du'as and grant us the kalima la ilaha illallah on our deathbed and make our hearts constantly engaged in your remembrance. Make this path that we've taken the easy path for us. Protect us from all forms of bid'at and all forms of perils that may come in our way. O oh Allah, we've only taken this path for you. O oh Allah, we ask that you grant us your taqwa and your closeness. Allow us to be constantly in remembrance of you. O oh Allah, we ask that you help us avoid our sins. You help us avoid sins that we commit and forgive our sins. Those we've done with understanding, without understanding. Those we've done purposely. Those we've done blatantly and boldly. O oh Allah, we have been extremely sinful. Allah, we have been extremely sinful. O oh Allah, we can only hope for your mercy in this regard. We can only hope for your mercy in this regard. Oh Allah, accept our du'as, protect us and our children, our progeny till the day of judgment from all forms of evil that are out there. And we ask that you, gain, you give us the best of our moments, the moment that we stand in front of you. And we ask you one final thing is that you send your blessings upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun al-muslim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.